Hi, and welcome to a Dad's Path podcast. We're real dads solving everyday problems. Each week we tackle issues that dads everywhere face and deliver actions you can take right away. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode and go to adadspath.com to get our free newsletter exclusively for dads. Our goal is to help you make fatherhood count. Dad on. Hello and welcome to another episode of a Dad's Path podcast. I'm Will Bronstein. Today we have the pleasure of speaking with John Wood, a devoted dad and husband. John worked hard to overcome some struggles with anger while parenting a child with extreme ADHD. And he's here to share his story and offer some helpful insights and tips on the subject. Welcome, John. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me, Will. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, and John resides in uh, Boulder, Colorado with his wife and two kids. It's beautiful out there, so wish we could be in person, but good to see you. Yeah, thanks. You too. So yeah, I want to just dive right in. I mean, speaking just for myself, managing my temper, my anger, being more patient certainly has been more of a challenge as a dad than I expected it would be. And, you know, you've been down that road and you've, you know, it sounds like successfully navigated uh, a lot of those challenges. So I'd love to kind of just dive in, hear your story a little bit and maybe start at the beginning. Like, where did you start saying, gosh, my anger is something I want to get a better handle on or, sure, you know, talk to me. Yeah, I think for me, I mean, initially becoming a dad, it's funny because I feel like in other aspects of my life, anger is not even on the radar. You know, it's not something that people would describe me as. It's not, you know, any one of my top, you know, five good or bad qualities. So in this case, at least for me, I would say it's very situational. And don't get me wrong, it's not like I'm angry at my kids all the time. But I think that, you know, the root of a lot of that frustration, maybe we can also call it that, is just either expectations or just not being able to be in control of a little person, which obviously you can't. So, you know, starting out as a new dad, that realization is tough. It's, you know, something that I've never experienced before. And as a new parent, nobody has. And it's just a totally different experience. And then as the kids got a little older, so right now I've got a a seven-year-old boy and a five-year-old girl. The seven-year-old's got extreme ADHD. And, you know, that can be especially frustrating sometimes. And I try to be empathetic, but it's also hard because you don't know sort of what that person's going through and how that person is experiencing life. So there have been cases where I'm just like holding his shoulders and saying like, focus on the thing or just put on your shoes or why are we such picky eaters? You know, those are just both typical and also typical, but ramped up in his case and in our case. And that can really lead to a ton of frustration and sometimes anger. Yeah, I imagine so. Because, you know, I don't think my child has extreme ADHD, but I face similar challenges like you do. So you're on a, you know, like you're saying a ramped up level. And one word you mentioned that was interesting to me that resonated was expectations. Yeah and sort of the role of expectations in some of those challenges. Can you sort of dial in there a little bit? Yeah. So I think for me, it's especially tough to like shift permanently your expectations of your child. Maybe mine are sort of too high to begin with. You know, you're not dealing with someone who's got a fully formed prefrontal cortex, and that doesn't happen until they're 26 or so. 
But, you know, my assumption is that they can keep it together because some of the conversations seem like they're totally with it. And, you know, you're joking, you're kind of on the same level sometimes. And then the conversation or the dynamic shifts because they're in a bad mood. And it's like, whoa, this is someone who really needs a lot of help or a lot of guidance or still needs help wiping their butt after going to the bathroom. And it's like, wow, that's that's a world of difference from how we were just you know, kind of having fun and laughing over the same thing. So I think that's part of the sticking point around really keeping those expectations in check about behavior, about, you know, how your kid's going to handle a, a given situation, you know, whether it's something from like, you know, sharing toys with your sibling or, you know, hearing about how a few friends, quote unquote, broke up with them at school. And what does that do to mood? And then how does that trickle down to your relationship with your parents in our case. So the expectations thing, I feel like I kind of know on one level that if I can successfully reset those expectations, it's only going to help because then it's just not going to be that constant miss of expectations. And, you know, seeing my son still struggling with, you know, putting on his shoes because he can't focus on doing that because he's so excited about <laughs> something, you know, bright and shiny, you know, figuratively or literally. So I feel like that's kind of the key. But even though I know that logically, emotionally, it's still so hard to switch that. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. That really, again, resonates with me in terms of you can hang out with them as they get older, you talk to them, you know, you're playing and you feel like you're on the same level as them. And it's easy to forget they're kids. They don't have a you know prefrontal cortex that's developed. So they're going to lose their temper in extreme ways or have extreme reactions to things. And, you know, and if you treat them like you would treat an adult doing that, which I think can be easy to do, yeah. you know, you're going down the wrong path, right? <laughs> like, cause you're, exactly. You're taking it personally, you're, and they're not adults. Like, I mean, that's the main thing. It's funny. And that's the other thing in terms of taking it personally. It's even though they're maybe taking out frustration on you, which in turn, you know, can really create this negative spiral. It feels so personal. It feels like, oh, man, my <laughs> the other day, my son said I was an effing idiot. And I was like, whoa. And I was really proud of myself that, well, a little bit of the context was that, you know, he didn't want to shower. I put him on my shoulder, you know, not too forcefully, but I was like, okay, let's go. We're going to shower. We walk down the hall. He calls me that name. And in the moment, like, yeah, I did have a visceral reaction of like, whoa, like that is not okay. We have to stop that behavior. And I felt attacked. And, you know, again, from that personal level, like this was like a personal attack. What I said was, I said, okay, you're automatically losing dessert. I didn't yell. So that's the part I'm really proud of myself for. Yeah. And that's something that I still do struggle with. And that's how, you know, some of this anger can come out. But in terms of that personal piece, like it's not personal. It feels personal because there's something that's directed at you. But I still on some level feel like it's simply frustration on their part that they, you know, you're making them do a thing that they don't want to. Or, you know, it's not I hate you. It's like I hate this. And they just don't have the tools and the wherewithal to communicate it in that way. It just comes out like, yeah, you're the worst or whatever it comes out. So that's it's hard. Yeah. 
It's really hard. There's no sugarcoating that. <laughs> no, that's right. That's right. Nice job on not losing your your temper there. I uh, thank you. Yeah, I'm not sure how I would have done because I. Yeah, I mean, I think it was described to me once as a power struggle. You know, a lot of parenting is a power struggle, and it's uneven because you know, as the parent, our job is to guide our kids to do things that are good for them, and there are going to be things they don't want to do that we make them do. Uh, take showers, brush your teeth, whatever it is, right? <laughs> but that's our job as parents. So for me, it's been helpful to kind of view it as a power struggle. Mm-hmm. Understanding kids don't have a lot of ways to express themselves either, right? That's true. And this is that sort of power struggle way of communicating or yelling or ignoring you or whatever it is. Yeah, it's just sort of a different lens to to view it through. Yeah, I don't know if that would help me so much in terms of the power. I mean, like, because who wants to lose the power struggle to their kid? Well, yeah. <laughs> you know? But you have to be smart enough to say, yep, okay, you know, walk away. Whether that's walk away from the conversation or maybe you just need to walk away. You know, after nine times of hearing, I only want to play violent video games or like something silly like that. It's like, I know you don't really mean that, but you want to win this or you want, yep. you know, something's really important to you. So I'm not going to engage in that. Yeah. And I think that's okay. Like sometimes I feel like I'm not being a good dad because I can't, you know, discipline effectively in situations such as that. But I've talked to my therapist about this too. And, you know, he seems to think and sort of validated that walking away can be okay. So that to me, that's like a little bit enlightening and it makes me feel less guilty about either not being an effective dad, an effective disciplinarian, or that I'm like avoiding you know, going head to head or like solving it in the moment, which I feel like is oftentimes like a really like a gut reaction, maybe more so for dads. Yeah, and no, I think that's right on. I'm totally in favor of walking away at times. I mean, at the very least, because I mean, you know how you feel when you're angry. So think about your child, how they feel when they're frustrated and angry. So probably even more or even less rational, right? Yeah. And so you're trying to talk sense into them. They're not able to listen. You know, no matter what you say, no matter how loud you say it, they have to be in a place where they can receive what you're saying, just as you have to be in a place where you can speak not out of anger, not you, but, you know, us as dads. Yep. Or it just escalates. So, you know, I, I think that's right on as well. So was there like a moment or, you know, place where you're like, all right, this is affecting my relationship with my child or where you said this is, you know, I want to get help or I want to. And, and what did that help look like if you don't mind diving in there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So a couple pieces there before this was maybe two, actually almost three years ago where my parents were in town from New York and my stepdad actually said, like, kind of took us aside after the kids were going to bed, like, hey, we think that, you know, maybe our son is not just a rambunctious three-year-old or four-year-old at the time. He might need some kind of help, either therapy, medication, something. And while that was extremely difficult to hear in the moment and the reaction is like, whoa, like, you know, who are you to tell us as parents what to do and, you know, what your analysis is? You don't really know the day to day. You're you're just visiting and all those things. In retrospect, like, yeah, like we're happy that that moment happened as tough as it was at the time. And that was one of the triggers is sort of acknowledging our tough experience as parents and to make a plan to say, okay, well, what can we do? You know, are we going to go down the medication route or not? Kind of having that conversation as two parents, thinking about the pros and cons. And even before that, going to a 
behavioral psychologist for our son having an evaluation, even though that also is, you know, at the time seemed like, oh, an admission that something was wrong, either with him or with us as parents or, you know, our strength, can we not handle it? Is there some sort of deficiency on our part? But that evaluation was helpful, enlightening, you know, he's a smart kid. But yeah, he's was diagnosed with severe ADHD. And that led us to think more seriously about the medication route, which ultimately we decided to engage in. And he is taking medication, which is very helpful. I'm, you know, also happy to get into. But that led us sort of on that parallel path of, okay, well, we're going to explore the idea of medication. We're also going to explore at the same time, the idea of therapy, both for us as the family unit, I'm also exploring therapy myself as a dad, just, you know, what does that look like? <laughs> We're also in therapy as like couples therapy, which is all good, honestly. Like, obviously, I'm, I'm pro therapy, but I have t- I'm an advocate too, just to interject. So I think that's great. You guys are doing <laughs> that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that that was one sort of pivotal moment that led us down those paths. And, and they yeah, they've been helpful. And I can sort of go in any direction there, too. I'd be really curious, like you said, so you started with therapy and then some behavioral stuff and then ended up with medication. What did that pathway sort of look like? And what does it look like today in terms of what you guys are doing? Yeah, so one early step within the therapy piece was something that I had never heard of at the time, PCIT or parent-child interaction therapy. And that flavor is all about limiting your questions and your commands with your child. And we practiced this with our therapist and with our son real time, both with the guidance of therapist and within sort of a safe space, like a playroom at the place we were doing this therapy. So there are a couple pieces. One is limiting the commands and questions during playtime. And the other is using tools like repeating back what they're saying, reflecting on the positive actions that they're doing, like they're building a tower really well, like, wow, you built a really tall tower. Or if your child says, this tower is the best. You just simply say it back. This tower is the best. Um, so like, kind of like, it seems so easy and, and part of it is, but it definitely takes practice. Like in meditation, it's easy to focus on your breathing, but do you do that often? No. <laughs> you know, you've got to like dedicate time and space to that. So that's, I guess I would say a recommendation in terms of um, something to explore because that's something you can do if you set time for it. You know, if you do it for five minutes, or 10 minutes of play, and you're constantly thinking, okay, limiting your commands, not questioning anything, ignoring tough behavior that you don't want to see, and praising, reflecting, repeating back. Those are the some of the tenets and ideas around this form of therapy. So that was one step. Just real quick, I mean, it makes sense, everything you're saying in terms of letting your child play and encourage them. What's the sort of overall purpose of that? It's just during playtime and it like it's a way you guys are connecting or what's... Yeah, it's just during playtime. It kind of builds more of a foundation of you are positive supporting um, parent who's not directing the play. So by using commands and questions, often the parent will try to gain some control of where that play is going. So yeah, it's a great follow-up question because the play in this case is really meant to be child-directed. They're making up the story or building the tower or pivoting to some other activity, and that's fine. It's like, no, instead of saying, no, let's stay on the tower. I want to build one just like you because your tower was great. Like, no, like now we're playing with cars and that's 
also fine because, you know, what's the big deal, <laughs> right? We can pivot to cars. And if we kind of dedicate this time and space to what the child wants to do, yeah, part of the idea is around letting them decide and, and just totally going with the flow and just reinforcing those positive pieces and the good behavior coming out of play that they own. Yeah, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. And it almost ties back to what we were talking about earlier with the power struggle, right? Because you're saying, hey, you have all the power right now. This is all you. Whatever you want to do, you are in charge, you know? Yeah. Because, you know, power struggle is not quite the right word because it's not a struggle because you're the parent, so you win, right? So it's <laughs> like, I mean... Most of the time or some of the time. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, well, it, it might be a struggle. You can win. <laughs> yeah, <can>. right. <laughs> you might need to force it, but, you know, it's not like two colleagues lying for a CEO spot or something like that. You know, it's, you will come out on top, but the question is how. And viewing it as a power struggle probably isn't the right analogy, but I think it is interesting, you know, with that therapy we're talking about, just how you are giving your child, you know, that power and you're supporting them and very cool. So it sounds like therapy was helpful and then, you know, medication's been helpful. Yeah. I'd be curious what else has been helpful, you know, for you maybe personally, because I know walking away, I think that was a great one. That's a great example. And do you have other sort of like count to 10 in your head or? I do. I have other ideas too. Yeah. I mean, so the count to 10 thing, that would be like a very much like in the moment thing. But I'm lucky enough to have a job I really enjoy, you know, an amazing wife and, and partner as a parent, and even hobbies that are new and old. So I, I feel like, you know, taking one step back for a moment, you know, that sort of macro lens of your life and not having everything be around parenting is super important. If I were a stay at home dad, I think that I would struggle more just because I would be kind of even more consumed with parenting. And it would be tougher to sort of have work, as an example, as that safe or, you know, disconnected space from my family, which I really enjoy. And those, you know, relationships and even friendships are super, super important. So if you're, or if I'm finding myself often frustrated with parenting, just like knowing that, hey, you know what, I joined this new gym and because it's got extended hours and even if it's for an hour after the kids go to bed, I can look forward to that during kid bedtime, which is tough. So I even think that that particular scenario was really helpful when I was trying to put my son in the shower the other day, just thinking that, okay, well, I'm going to be at the gym soon and that's going to be all right. <laughs> you know, so, um, you know, sort of having that having other things in mind, because I think that's okay, too, to like sort of distract yourself. So you don't get upset in the moment, because you really I think the goal is like not yelling, obviously not like inadvertently hurting your kid or something like that. If you're like holding them too tight, or whatever it might be just making sure that you stay in control, and sort of doing whatever you need to, to accomplish that goal. Yeah, I think that's right on. You know, it's almost like not reacting, right? Or not, mm -hmm. you know, letting letting whatever happens happen and or react in a in a proactive way is a better way, like you were saying. Because yeah, I think looking forward to the gym and you know, you touched on it. A lot of there are a lot of dads who listen who are stay at home dads too. Mm -hmm. And for those dads and for dads who work and who are super busy, it's like you need self care, you know, and self care is not just going to the gym. That's a great one but it's taking care of yourself. It's mentally taking care of yourself, right? It's, you mentioned friendships, like, you know, that's something that moms do, unfortunately, I think a better job at than dads, whereas it's so important to go out. And, you know, I found it both like going out and talking to dads and 
not talking about our kids at all. And then the other side is being like, oh my gosh, I'm ashamed I did this, or I'm really struggling with this. And then the dad says, yeah, me too. And I just feel a hundred times better knowing I'm not alone. I totally agree. Yeah, it's and it's just harder. I feel like we need as dads more license to talk about our kids and struggles with our kids. And at least from my perspective, seems easier for my wife to do so with her friends. But you're absolutely right. Like if you if you do bring up something like, oh, my kids like the pickiest eater in the world, which happens to be a current struggle, you get that response right back. You're like, I know why can't my kid eat anything with frozen pizza? You know, but why don't we lead with that? Is it is it like a machismo thing? Is it is it a pride thing? Or maybe sometimes kids are just not in the front of our minds when we're with our friends, and that and that's okay too. But yeah, I think if you are struggling, even if you are a tiny bit brave or proactively bring that up with a friend, even in a, a small group of friends, like I think you'll be surprised. Like they'll say, "Oh, me too." So I think that's actually a, a more important tool than we realize potentially, and especially as dads. So yeah, that's usually important. And one that as part of sort of my new approach or evolving approach is, is something I want to draw on more. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I say this all the time, but I'm just going to repeat it because it's important. Like you said, you bring it up and you'll be surprised, you know, how people will respond. And by the same token, a lot of dads are like, I don't have any friends. No one hangs out with me. Da, da, da. And it's, I'm always like, well, did you reach out to them? No. Well, <laughs> you know, like, because <laughs> right. it's the same idea. When you start reaching out to dads, you know, some will be, you know, some dads get overwhelmed and are just too busy and don't want to go out. And that's fine. You can't change their mind. But other dads who you're friends with will be the opposite. Say, yeah, I really could use a beer or a tea or a walk around the park, whatever it is. Right. But yeah, being proactive that way too, because it's not as easy as it was before you had kids, you know, to keep your friend group, to hang out, to say, hey, you want to grab a beer after work? Right. Like it's not that realistic anymore to just randomly do it or it's a lot harder. So, it just takes planning, which is doable, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, or it just takes like trying again and again. Like we've got a group of a few dads say, hey, I'm going to this place, you know, tonight or after bedtime. And it's like, well, usually I can't make it because that's way too short notice. And as dads, maybe we're worse planners. Yeah. But that's okay. Keep trying. You know, it's like that's, and that's what I try to remind myself too. It's like, again, it's sort of like not personal, usually <laughs> that they can't do it or whatever. So you just got to keep trying and, and knowing that, everyone's sort of having their own form of uh, kid bedtime struggle as an example, or, you know, lots of priorities that we have, especially uh, with one or multiple kids. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, yeah, so I want to sort of end on um, resources that you've used or you found. I don't know if there are any in particular, you talked about therapy was really good. I mean, formal therapy. And then also we were just talking about friend therapy, so to speak, and yeah, working out. I mean, were there any books or any anything else you found that have been particularly helpful in overcoming some of your... Yeah. So one that as part of the new year, I just ordered, but haven't yet cracked into radical acceptance, just to really sort of frame my thinking around like, you know, what can I control versus what can I not control? And I know that I cannot control things. And maybe on an emotional level, it feels like I can or should be able to. So that's that's one piece. Going to the gym is huge. And, you know, if you can't go to the gym, even like doing anything at home that makes you sweat is going to be helpful, I think. And I mean that literally, like you, you want to sweat. You know, things that don't make you sweat are still great, but I think that sweating is actually really important. Other tools that I've used are just like trying to find a cool hobby that you can kind of really get lost in. One that I've played around with 
maybe for six months or so now is roasting my own coffee beans and then giving those beans to friends and colleagues and just being proud of like something pretty simple, but a little bit unique and quirky and sort of my own personal brand. And that feels really good. And it's sort of along the line of like giving feels good, you know? You didn't offer me any. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'll have to bring some. That's no, awesome though. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and I'm also a little bit of a biohacker in terms of like trying different supplements sometimes to change my state of mind, even experimenting with things like microdosing nicotine, microdosing psilocybin, making sure I get enough vitamin D and fish oil and like some of those staples a little bit. So, you know, I'm trying to like expand and experiment in those ways too, knowing that, you know, when I put all that together, that whole picture from the macro lens is going to trickle into some of those micro moments where I have found myself frustrated and angry with, you know, a child who I can like feel like sometimes control, but many times not. Yeah, no, that's great. Thank you for sharing uh, all those. And, you know, for other dads listening, I think the name of the game often is acknowledging, you know, you have a something you want to get better at, whether being more patient or get, you know, less frustrated with your kid, whatever it is. And once you identify it, then you can find those tools and you can you can overcome it. I mean, I guess that's a big message is, you know, just having a child who doesn't have ADHD is a really big challenge. And here's John on the other side with a child with extreme ADHD and he's smiling and he's saying, Yeah, you know, yeah, there are things I could go better. But you know, you're on the other side, right? Like you're you're in a good place. Yeah. And it's a day at a time. That and also like kids change. There's my son was eating sushi two meals a day for more than eight months, which is like great because it's healthy, but super expensive <laughs> and not sustainable for like many years for sure. And now he's only eating frozen pizza from Costco, which is cheaper, but not as healthy. So it's like, at least I know that there are phases and that it won't be Costco pizza forever. And I'm going to try to, you know, slowly like, and sometimes he'll eat carrots. So celebrate that win, you know? Not not every day, but, you know, okay, I'll take an occasional carrot and sort of being okay with that. And that, I think, ties into that trying to reset your expectations a little bit and forgive yourself a little bit that it's not all in your control. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I just want to leave with one anecdote. The way that John and I connected was through his wife, who I went to elementary school with. And I will just say she would never have been described as calm in elementary school. <laughs> a lot of energy, a lot of uh, <laughs> vivacious. So, you know. Definitely. So she's to blame. Just yeah, kidding. Yeah. Let, let, let it be on the record. No, no. Right. <laughs> but uh, anyway, John, this was really a fantastic conversation. For me, it was just great to hear you open up. And I learned a lot. And I was able to open up with you. And I think our listeners are going to get a lot. So thank you very much for joining us here. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great time. I appreciate it. Awesome. We'll take care and we'll talk soon here. Okay. Sounds great. Thanks, Will. If you liked our podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. If you haven't joined us yet, go to adadspath.com to get our free newsletter exclusively for dads. And do you know a friend who might like this podcast? Send it on. We want to help as many dads as possible make fatherhood count. Dad on. <laughs>